Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. For your own pleasure, a well-hidden treasure, Pizza Chocadero. We serve delicious gourmet pizza with daily made dough, homemade sauce, and fresh toppings cut by hand. Ask us for our two-one special. Pizza Chocadero, open weekdays till 9, weekends until 10. Located at 7 Municipal, north of College in Edinburgh. Proud to be an independent family-owned business. Call 519-829-2444 or visit chocadero.ca. Creative Control with Vish Khanna. Scott Ackerman is a very talented comedy writer, producer, director, and actor who's currently based in the United States of America. Ackerman is one of the key figures behind the Earwolf and Howl podcast networks, and he's been a writer on Mr. Show with Bob and David, and also special presentations like the MTV Movie Awards and, more recently, the Academy Awards broadcast. Ackerman is best known, though, for his work on the podcast and TV show Comedy Bang Bang, which hits the road for a string of tour dates, including Toronto stops on May 5th and 6th at Convocation Hall and in Vancouver on May 26th at the Vogue Theatre. Here now to discuss some of these things is the wonderful Scott Ackerman. Hi, Scott. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm well. I'm well. I'm uh, here in Guelph, Ontario. Where, where in the world are you today, Scott? New York City, uh, the city in the state of New York. Uh, it's an island, pretty much. Yes, I'm familiar with it. That's that's great. Uh, that that it's a wonderful place. Is everything going well for you there in New York today? Uh, yeah, I've just got up, so uh, you know, I'm awake, I'm alive, you know. So uh, that's a couple of steps in the right direction. Yeah, no, that, that 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 seems about right. That seems about where you'd want to be at this point in the day, I think. Uh, now, I I want to say uh, right away, congratulations on the uh, seventh anniversary of Comedy Bang Bang. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's crazy, huh? It's a over- I can't believe yeah, it's been going that long. It's an it's a remarkable feat. I mean, it's over four hundred episodes. Have you have you had a chance to reflect upon this really at this point? You know, I haven't, but I guess I could take that chance right now. Um, it's interesting because. You know, it was an offshoot of the live show I was doing um, at the UCB Theater every week. And I did that for 10 years. Um, And I think I started uh, the podcast 
if I'm guessing correctly, I started that seven years into it. So it seems like it's time for me to start some new offshoot of it um, because now it's seven years that'll last for another 10 years. I don't know. It's, it's, it's interesting. I mean, it's, it feels like it's been such a big part of my life and it doesn't uh, feel like it's slowing down at all. It feels like it's just as popular as ever, but more importantly, it's creatively um, still firing on, on all cylinders and, and still seems to be uh, creatively considered to be one of the better comedy podcasts out there. So, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for that. Can you take us back to that, that point where you started the show in terms of your original vision for what you had planned compared to what the show has evolved into? Yeah, I, when I started it, it, it was a radio show. It was on an internet radio station. And uh, the, the program director gave me the show because um, I would do it for free, number one. <laughs> and uh, number two, he was told that I could get famous people in on the show. So I, when I first started, I, I pretty much envisioned it sort of more like a traditional radio show where I would interview people. I kind of likened it to Conan a little bit or a, a late night talk show where I would sort of have comedians on comedians that were going to be on my live show that week. And I would interview them about their lives. Um, sort of what WTF, which started after me turned into, hmm. um, but pretty quickly into the run, um, the program director, I had a couple of episodes where I did that. And the program director said to me, you know, I don't think people are really that interested in hearing about comedy. They'd rather hear you do it. And so that's, that's kind of when I started turning it into us actually like performing comedy instead of talking about it. Um, pretty early on, I had uh, comedians on doing, doing bits that they would do live at the UCB theater. And I had Andy Daly on and uh, he was doing a bit that he had mainly done solo that I think was on his uh, record nine sweaters. And, you know, because we were doing it in an interview format, I kept interjecting and asking him questions that were sort of slightly off script because I knew where the where the bit was going. But I kept asking him bits or I kept asking him questions about things that I wasn't supposed to ask. And because he's a brilliant improviser, he was rolling with it and it was really fun. And I remember thinking this was like show number eight or something. I remember thinking, I think this might be the actual show. Um, and and that's what, what it turned into is it turned into me sort of doing mock interviews with the greatest improvisers and trying to turn it into something unique that you can only hear on the podcast. It's interesting that you were given the advice that people wanted to hear less about comedy and more just they just wanted to hear comedy. That that mindset seems to have shifted a lot, wouldn't you say, over the last few years? So there seem to be a lot more people having conversations about the process of comedy these days. Well, I think it, it's definitely, it was definitely true for the audience on an internet radio station where they're normally playing music. And for one hour a week, they were then shifting into comedy. It was, I think it was a, a strange tonal shift uh, for that particular audience, but I, I know what you mean. It, it's um, the interest level in people uh, having to do with, you know, behind the scenes of co comedians' lives is, is really um, grown in a way that I don't think comedians really foresaw. But 
But at the same time, I'm I'm really happy to be doing the show that I'm doing. I mean, sometimes I wish that I could just kind of do normal interviews. Every once in a while, if I get a chance to do a normal interview, like I did with Gilbert Gottfried recently or Paul Reiser recently, you know, it's it's kind of relaxing to not have to do this pressure of like making it a comedy interview in a way. But, um, you know, and maybe maybe eventually I'll get into doing something a little more like that. But as far as Comedy Bang Bang goes, it was great advice. Yeah. Now, prior prior to Comedy Death Ray and Comedy Bang Bang, you had a lot of success and you, you worked on influential shows and films, but you also had many ideas and, and pilots and scripts rejected. And, and now you're in a position where you're, you've collaborated with the President of the United States and you started a podcast about you 2 that you 2 wanted to be on. From your perspective, is your ascendancy as the king of all comedy the result of comedy consumption changing? Is it the world catching up with your sensibility or is it that you've simply gotten much better at at what you do i mean well first of all i wouldn't call myself the king of all comedy <laughs> i appreciate it but uh, you're highly incorrect and could use a fact checker but um <laughs> i think it's a convergence of a lot of those things i mean i i do think that uh alternative comedy which is where i started has um really kind of burst into the mainstream and and you know it's like a lot of uh it's like a lot of movements, like the punk movement, you know, at a certain point, it, it just sounds like music after a while because it's influenced so many people. And, and then, you know, you need to go on to something new. So I kind of feel like that sort of crotchety old guard who, you know, I'm sure because we're so popular, there are comedians out there going, oh, that sucks. I'm going to do something new. And that's and that's great. That's what it's all about. People mm-hmm. need to be doing that, um, you know. And and the trick in a career is to just kind of like try to stay relevant as long as you can doing, you know, keep keep exploring new territory. Um, but I also think that, yeah, you're right. I got better at what I what I did. I mean, I think that that certainly I think a lot of my 30s was spent kind of like trying to figure out screenwriting and trying to figure out show business and figure out what I could do in it. And then here in my 40s, I've sort of figured out how to produce a show really well, how to write a show really well, how to interact with comedians. And I've, I've sort of figured out how to blend it all together in a, a really nice way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, I think for a lot of people you are doing, uh, you know, obviously the top tier work, you, you have a, a great and loyal fan base because I think it's evident that you're working very hard all the time. That's what it, it seems like to me. It, there's an effortlessness that comes across, but at the same time, I get the impression you're working extremely hard on your craft. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, I, I, the work is, uh, it's interesting because we just, uh, wrapped a season of comedy bang, bang on, um, season five on, um, Thursday. And then I had to edit the show all weekend. Um, and then immediately start this tour. (laughs) It was maybe not the best planning on my part. Yeah. Um, but it was when we could all do it. But, um, you know, it's, it's, that's one of the things they don't tell you is, you know, when you see people with a show, you know, that they have of their own or, you know, succeeding, you know, there's a lot of work that goes into it and they, they don't tell you, Hey, you know, you can, you can have all this stuff that you've always wanted since you were a kid, but you're going to have to work, you know, 15 hours a day 
all day, every day in order to get it. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, I, I find it very hard to turn down work as well because, you know, I, I really want, I've always wanted these opportunities. You know, when they asked me to write for the Oscars, it was, I, I actually tried to turn it down at first and it was, it's, it just felt like heresy. Like, what are you doing? You, you know, you're about to, you could write for the Oscars, you know, you've, you've watched the Oscars religiously ever since you were 12, you know, like, why would you want to turn it down? But so, so I find it very hard to turn down work, which I, I think I need to get better at. <laughs> well, you did make a comment that I found striking a few moments ago about how you might want to explore the notion of doing more, uh, sincere interviews with people because you find it a bit more relaxing than some of the other work you do. And it led me to think about your relationship with earnest comedy conversation and surreal absurdity. I, I, I feel like you're mostly drawn to the latter. Can you elaborate upon why that might be? Well, I, you know, I, uh, I think it's my influences, you know, I mean, I, uh, I grew up very influenced by, David Letterman. I mean, when I was a uh, high schooler, um, his show was very important to me, and it was just starting the NBC show. So, you know, and I think I think I come from a generation of people who were sort of taught ironic comedy by him, um, and so it's it's sort of infused my sensibility for a long time. But I also just feel like, you know in the podcast and in the TV show, um, you know, people's attention span for, for an earnest interview when they know that there's like crazy comedy, you know, with, with, you know, someone pretending to be cake boss and, you know, resurrecting Chewbacca for, or speaking to Chewbacca from the beyond the grave, you know, <laughs> is in the next segment. It's like a strange, it's a strange tonal shift that I think, you know, not everyone should necessarily be on board for. So I, I, I try to keep the interviews before then to be also an interview that you wouldn't hear on any other of the multitudes of sincere interview uh, programs on TV and podcasts. So I don't know, it's a combination of that where I just kind of get antsy and I want to just kind of make the interview funnier. Um, but at the same time, I, I, I like doing sincere interviews and I, um, think I'm relatively good at them and I think I you know eventually could do a regular talk show where I I do have you know just the typical style interview that you would see on a late night talk show so it's something it's something that I that I think I'm good at it's something I think I could do but it's not something I necessarily want to do with comedy bang bang the, the TV show looks like a completely different animal than the podcast is it a greater challenge for you It's it's certainly much much harder to do. I mean, it, we just wrapped up the fifth season, and it um, it's very very difficult. It's not only is it filming for I think in our final week because we just we're trying to finish everything that we wanted to do in the season. I think every single day was fifteen hours um, of filming, and then the the most challenging part of it is the the talent booking because. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? 
United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. A big part of the show is having on these great comedians um, to guest star in it, either in the storylines or on the couch, and people's availabilities don't line up, and, you know... There was a a storyline that we wrote for uh, Dave Thomas, who plays my father, and um, for Nick Swartz, who plays my brother, who are, who have played my brother in previous episodes, and just trying to line up their availability next to each other was getting impossible, and we were like figuring out split screens and how to do that, and then at a, at a certain point, both of them, I think Dave Thomas. Um, had some sort of a uh, car accident or something and his availability dried up and so did Nick's and it just, you know, and we had had, we had this episode that we had written months and months ago that now we had to figure out, okay, what do we do now? How do we rewrite it? Mm -hmm. Um, Because it was one of our last days we had already shot all of my portion of the scene. (laughs) So how do you not only rewrite it for new characters, but you have to rewrite it, to incorporate the dialogue I've already shot with it. <laughs> yeah, right. So it, it's just such a hard, it's such a hard, hard show to do. And so um, wearing, I feel like in the five years I've been doing it, I've aged 10, you know. So um, I don't think people realize just how difficult it is to make the show, but that's that's what makes me proud of it as well. You know, I think, um, like I look at the half hour's, that we do. And I, I realize the incredible amount of work and, and we probably shoot an hour show and whittle it down to half hour, um, just to make it the best half hour that you can see, you know? And, and so, you know, I'm really, really proud of the show. And, and I think that's why, um, you know, and the whole crew is, and I think that's why we work so hard on it is, um, because it's, it's such an incredible opportunity to get to do a show where no one's telling you what to do and no one's, giving you notes and, and, you know, I mean, we haven't received any notes this year from the network and it's like, how often do you get that opportunity where it's, you can do anything you want, put any stupid inside joke that you want into the show. I think the first episode starts with a like majorly inside true detective reference, (laughs) you know, that, that I think other other places would ask to be cut out because no one understands it. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's a good opportunity, but it's, it's one that, that the responsibility of having that show is so great that it, it's, it's very, very difficult to do and way more difficult than the podcast. Right. In terms of uh, the TV, yeah. in terms of the TV show, you have had some issues retaining musical directors. This is something uh, we've noticed. How how are things going with Weird Al? Is he going to be there a while? Is everything okay? 
Oh yeah, it's great. I mean, Al is is such a professional and and um, works so hard, and um, you know, it, he it's his favorite show. He told me so. I mean, it's something that he doesn't take lightly. He wants to be really good on it, um, and he is really good on it. And it's something I don't take lightly. Um, the fact that you know someone with such a huge audience has agreed to do the show. So we've written him uh, a ton of great material. Um, you know, it's 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 been a pleasure to do this season with him. And I, I mean, you know, it, it's 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 great to have someone there in the morning who's just um, super positive and really wants to be there. And um, Al would come kind of like hours early some days and just hang around the set. Um, so you know, I think people are really going to be. Um, satisfied when they see what he's doing and it, it it doesn't really and it doesn't feel different really either i mean it just feels like someone who fits in really well is on the show this year um so i kind of feel like we're in a way it's just we're continuing on with the work we've been doing over the past couple of years without really missing anything well that's great to hear i've had the good fortune of speaking with weird al a few times and he's honestly one of the nicest people i've ever encountered uh, in terms of comedy, in terms of music. He's very, very kind. I would say that in terms of comedy and music, yes, he's one of the nicest people I've encountered. I, I met <laughs> someone who didn't work in comedy and music who was maybe a little nicer, but <laughs> but um, yeah, he's great. He's he he's a pleasure to work with. Yeah. Now, getting back to the podcast, my understanding uh, of the show and, and listening to the show is that there's clearly some uh, a lot of it is improvised. I'm just curious what kinds of conversations you and your guests tend to have about a show before... You, you begin taping. We usually don't have much. I, I will kind of intentionally cut people off a lot if they try to tell me what they're going to do. I know um, that's a certain amount of, of the improvisers. They, they feel more comfortable if they let me know where it's going. And I usually try to like cut them back and say, oh, I don't want to know all this. You know, just, just it, we'll, we'll do it when we find it. Um, so, you know, the most detailed conversation we'll probably have is is um, every once in a while someone will need need me absolutely need me to lead them into something and do a plot point. Um, I, I think maybe maybe one of the ones that we planned out a little more than usual was the Gary Marshall uh, Gillian Jacobs Valentine's Day one this year. Mm -hmm. I think we we because Paul wanted to do. Paul F. Tompkins wanted to do three different characters in that. I think we needed to plan out the plot of it a little more, where we said, okay, well, if this happens, what if we did this? If this happens, what if we did this? But, you know, it's usually the, uh, like three sentences. That's as much as we'll do. M most of the time, I'll just say, what's your character's name? And how do I introduce them? At, you know, like, meaning what is their job? You know, like accountant Bill Witherspoon or something. Well, Bill Witherspoon would be a terrible name for a fake <laughs> guest, I think, because there actually is a Bill Witherspoon. But um, that's usually the extent of it is just literally their name and their occupation. Okay. And, and so does that same sensibility translate to the current road show? I mean, I, I, I'm, and within that, do you mind just talking a little bit more about who's involved with the current show and what exactly you seem to be doing each night so far? Sure. Yeah, I mean, we've only had one uh, show at this point, but um, basically uh, we took out Paula Tompkins and Lauren Lapkus, who were uh, probably the, the two most popular guests on the, uh, on the podcast, and they do um, 
a wealth of different characters, um, and they're they're majorly talented improvisers. So every single night, they're going to be doing um, totally different characters. Um, they'll let me know right before we do the show who they're going to be and how I should introduce them. But at this point, we um, haven't figured out any kind of plot line or any kind of storyline that we're going to explore, which kind of leads me up there trying to figure it out and trying to figure out where to leave them. And the one show that we've done um, in Los Angeles, um, Paula Tompkins was doing Werner Herzog and Lauren Lapkus was doing Big Sue, who is a character that she does, um, who owns a carpet store. Um, we just kind of weirdly got into a situation where Werner and Big Sue uh, ended up going on a date or, or promising to go on a date. So I think that may be something we follow up with on one of the shows coming up. So if we find like storylines like that, that will sort of benefit the people who are listening along um, and listening to every show on the, on the Howl app as we do them. Um, then we might be doing like sort of these uh, long overarching storylines. Um, but, but for the most part, if people come see it, there won't be, they, they don't need to know anything really. It's just like us goofing around up there. Now, when you're going to, you've got two shows in Toronto, you have a two night uh, stand in Toronto. Will you, do you, or are you planning to incorporate any aspects of each city within the show. It sounds like it's kind of completely up in the air on some level, but is that something you have an eye towards? Well, um, some of the cities we're barely in, um, you know, we'll get there right before the show, do the show and leave in the morning. But Toronto, we're spending a nice two days there. So, and, and I've, I've not spent a lot of time in Toronto. Um, I, uh, have gotten a lot of recommendations uh, from people who have lived there. I, we had Malin Ackerman on the TV show the other day, and she uh, was giving me a lot of recommendations. And uh, Ingrid Haas as well was on the TV show, and she was giving me a bunch. So, you know, I'm looking forward to spending a little time in Toronto and walking around and getting to know the city a little bit. And, uh, you know, some of that may creep in there. We don't really know. Um, the last time we were in Toronto, uh, we had a uh, fame, Paul F. Tompkins was playing a famous Canadian. Um, that may happen again. It may not. I'm not really sure. Um, and if, you know, sometimes along the way, and not every show, but sometimes along the way, we'll, uh, we'll have friends in the cities and we try to uh, get them on stage as well. Um, you know, obviously we don't, we don't have friends in every single city that we're going to, but if we do have one in, in a city, we'll invite them up on stage and play around with them. Okay. And besides uh, their money, what does the audience bring to the live show? Uh, what, what do you hope? I mean, is there interaction? Obviously, their, their, their reaction to what's going on on stage is going to impact what you're doing. But what, what role does the audience play for you? I think, you know, that's the reason to do it for me. I mean, we could just sit there in the studio doing these shows and, and do the same old thing, but I love doing them in front of an audience. And yeah, there's, there's a lot of interaction. I mean, the very first show that we did in um, Los Angeles last Saturday, uh, I think two minutes into the show, there was a latecomer sitting in the front row and I, you know, had him up on stage and I talked to him about why he was late. <laughs> um, you know, so that <clears throat> there's, there's always chance to interact with the audience either either literally or just the fact that the audiences are so excited to see us 
um, it adds this just this sense of energy um, that you you don't really get when you're doing it alone in a room. It's just really electric and really fantastic. And they sort of steer the show by what they're responding to. You know, you hear them laugh at something and you go, oh, I, I really want to mind this for a little more um, because the audience is really responding to it. So it's, you know, it, it, in a sense, it is a really interactive show that way. Right. Well, you've just come off of working these 15-hour days to complete the, the TV show. You've got at least, I think it's something like 30 day 30-day 30 tour. Maybe it's more at this point. Uh, you seem very busy. Have you twenty? Yeah, twenty-eight shows. Twenty-eight shows. Do you, do you have a sense yet of what's next for you? Are you planning to take a break before you collapse? What what is going to happen for you in in the <laughs> future after the tour? I, I suppose I am going to take uh, a bit of a break. I'm going to go out of town for about a week, and then um, and then uh, try to figure out what's what's next. I'm I'm producing uh, a bunch of shows, which I'm really excited about. Um, Bajillion Dollar Properties is going strong, and um, we've been working on the second season of that. Uh, the first season just wrapped up on CISO. And, um, you know, I have another show, Take My Wife, which is going to premiere on CISO in August. And, um, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm really getting into producing shows and finding really great comedians and working with them on, you know, hey, what, what's your show? You know, that's, that's a part of comedy that I've always really loved doing is, is finding a talented person and, and figuring out what their show could be, you know? So, um, that, that's what I'm really looking forward to doing this summer is just, uh, you know, working on more of those projects that I'm developing. Well, it sounds, it sounds excellent. And, uh, Scott, I, I, I thank you for being, uh, making time for me today. And, and I, I wish you the best luck with all of these endeavors. And, and I'm, I, I hope people check out these shows. I'm excited to see them myself. Thank you so much. It's so nice of you to want to talk to me. I appreciate it. Special thanks again to Scott Ackerman for being on this program. I, this was a very last minute interview but it was a huge thrill for me i'm a huge admirer of his work so thanks scott uh, everyone go see comedy bang bang you can learn more about them by following them on twitter that's probably your best bet at comedy bang bang if you want to listen to stream download tell your friends about creative control vishkana you can tell them it's on itunes audioboom.com vishkana.com there's also a patreon page to make a flexible monthly donation to the program just go to patreon.com and look up creative control with two k's we're also on facebook and on twitter at vish creative a version of this show airs every wednesday at noon eastern standard time on cfru 93.3 fm in guelph and around the world at cfru.ca all right that's the show i am uh, off to st john's newfoundland now for real i will talk to you when i get back hopefully i'll have some recordings from my trip to share with all of you okay thank you bye Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.